Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Ask our brother Frankie to come up and uh, give us the message that the Lord has laid on his heart today. Brother Frankie. Thank you, Andy. Safe journey to camp. Um, So remember in prayer the ministry that's going on um, at Camp Horizon this week and in the coming weeks. Um, camps around the U.S. that are still open. Um, we know what a blessing it is here in Florida, um, the Lord's provision that allowed Camp Horizon to continue. And it was, and it was only the Lord's provision. Um, there's assembly camps around the country that had to sell their land um, that were, um, that had to give up. Um, you know, just renting facilities from now on or until the Lord provides. Um, so we pray for camp. Thankful to the Lord that um, Camp Horizon is open and accepting campers and that the Word of God will go out there all over the country. We heard of VBSs. We know VBSs going on um, that amidst this time um, in the world um, that the the Word of God endures. Um, the Gospel keeps going um, until He comes. Um, this morning we are going to be in Colossians chapter 1, as we read. Um, and we're going to be specifically focusing on Paul's prayer for a group of believers that up to this point Um, Bible scholars don't think he had met at the writing of this letter. He had heard of their faith um, from Epaphras, um, but he probably had not met many of these believers unless they had been at the other churches um, in the areas of his ministry before they went there. We're going to look at his prayer, you know, and I'm, I think of in many of Paul's epistles, the, the prayers that are mentioned, how he says that he, he prays for these believers. Um, later on in this epistle, it is said that Epaphras um, is known by his prayers, he, how he prays fervently. Um, you know, I think of the times that I've spent over the years with, um, with, with some people that we know in the assembly circles as prolific preachers. They go around and they speak at, at, at assemblies around the country, at camps around the country. But I know, um, and this, it's, it's a challenge to my heart as well, um, very few and far between are those great preachers also um, also deep prayer deep prayers you know that that pray fervently um, many times they have people that pray with them um, that are on their team um, many times their wives are 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 very prayerful people. Um, but it stand, it's always stood out to me, those preachers that I've had the opportunity to, to travel with or um, to work with at camp. Um, 
it stands out to me when I can see, when I see them have a commitment to prayer. I mean, here, um, the two leaders mentioned in Colossians chapter 1, we know Paul, the one writing, and Epaphras, his fellow servant, are both, we know, committed to prayer. Um, so I really want to focus on the words of his prayer, and we can go word by word. I want to I dive into this, into this prayer. It's something that um, I, I, w- I looked at with new, new eyes. One thing going through um, my parents' old library of, of books, when my dad was trying to clean out some stuff, um, I have the commentaries and the writers that I, that I had in my library, and it's interesting to see the ones that my mom had in her library. Um, and um, she had a whole set of, um, of commentaries from Ironside um, that I had never... Um, that I had never seen, um, never read before. I think um, at, down, at Bible Truth when I was young, we went through one of, I, I think it was um, Galatians. Um, but I found one that she had on Colossians. Um, so looking at my old notes, looking at um, some of the, the ways that, um, that Ironside saw, um, saw the Scriptures, what came to him, and then looking at it with new eyes again. Um, we know that the Word of God never, never returns to Him void. It, it always leaves a mark. Um, and if you look at it and you read and study with the Holy Spirit in you, um, each day is a new day. His mercies and His blessings are new each day. And as we look at this, I know we've, I know we've all looked at Colossians chapter 1 before, but I want us to look at it with an open heart and asking the Spirit to, um, to lead us into, um, into a more full knowledge um, as Paul prays um, for these believers in Colossae. Um, I want to focus, um, start in verse 7 right before the prayer. Um, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Um, we'll see later on in, in Colossians, if we were to read deep into the, into the letter, we would see... Um, how is he for you, a faithful minister? He fervently prays for them. Well, what did Epaphras say? It's that he also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Earlier in the letter, um, in verse 4, it said, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints. Um, this was something that had stood out among the, Colossi, the believers in Colossae and it's the only time the Spirit is mentioned in this epistle. There in verse 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. The only time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in this epistle. Um, I think it, it, it speaks to the trouble that was going on in Colossae. It speaks to, and in education we call it misconception analysis, and I feel like that's what, in some of the epistles, we can see Paul's misconception analysis. Like, what are they struggling with? What does this set of believers struggle with? And it's not the Spirit. The Spirit is what brings us to love. The Spirit is what makes the commandments of God alive in us. The Spirit is what convicts us of, of sin and brings us into righteousness, that that 
gives us this new life and obedience. The, the Colossian believers wanted to obey. They wanted to obey so badly that they were known by a love, a love for all the saints. And in verse 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Um, at least they had that. And we say at least that mo- that's the most. Like that's what, what the Lord wanted his, all of his disciples to be known by was their love for each other. And the Colossians have this. They have the love in the Spirit, a love that can only be from the Holy Spirit. The, what kind of love can only be from the Spirit of God? What is a supernatural love that we are called to have as believers? I'll tell you this, it's not a love just for those who are on our side. It's not, and Jesus made that plain. Um, It's not a love for the things of this world. Um, It's not a love for for nation. It's not a love. uh, It's not a love for for things, for power, right? The love is a love for everybody, a love for every single person that we come across and a preference for believers and honor preferring one another. Do we love to be around other Christians? Um, And do we love, do we have a love for those without? Um, but love, the Colossians had love. They had the Spirit. It wasn't, and that, that's not what's at point here in this letter. Um, and so Paul continues, he says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, whom hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And that's really the basis of, that's Paul's prayer for them. And and we can see it split into two things, the petitions and the thanksgiving. Um, And you may have seen it split like that before, um, with the petitions um, being in verses 9 to 9 through 11, and the thanksgiving in verses 12 to 14. Remember, the thanksgiving is, it's for the things already done. Thanksgiving is for the things that have been finalized. Um, The things that are written in stone, or in this case, in 
the blood of Christ. Um, So we'll start with the petitions that Paul has on the behalf of the believers in Colossians. Um, And it starts, it says, um, to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Um, A lot has been made of the, the Gnostics in Colossae. And the Gnostics were that, um, that sect of philosophers that believed that through knowledge, through knowledge, through learning, through thinking, truth could be attained. Um, and this really, this view, you know, there's a lot of, if, if, if you've ever been in a philosophy class or a psychology class or a study of, uh, of, of human thinking, they try to really separate time in a lot of different philosophies. But really, the main philosophy pre-18th century, pre-Enlightenment era in the the 1700s, was, was this Gnosticism, was this like through thinking, if I think about a problem long enough and hard enough, and if I'm smart enough and I just think about it for a long time, I can come to truth. That's, that's what they believe. That, and that way, the most intelligent would rise to the top. The, the great thinkers. That's where we get that terminology that just by thinking, we can, we can solve problems. Um, it wasn't until the 1700s that really the scientific method and the way of testing hypothesis and testing different things that came about. Um, here, it's just by thinking. And Paul here, um, he, says, he says that they might be filled with the knowledge, and the word there for knowledge is not a knowledge by thinking, it's super knowledge. It's that, and you've probably heard that in the Greek, it's that epignosis. It's a knowledge that comes from somewhere else a super knowledge. And where does the knowledge come from? Knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Um, one note from one of the, um, the commentaries that I read more recently, uh, it had the idea that, you know, that this will, the will of God, a knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding may not be talking about that particular will of God in an individual's life, but the will of God for humanity through His plan of salvation. And I think with what was going on in Colossae, that made, that made more sense to me, that, that this will, what, what Paul wants the believers in Colossae, and by extension here, because we are the one reading it, what, what God wants for us to know about His will is that the plan of salvation, His plan as outlined in Scripture, will come to fulfillment. That no part of this plan of God 
is a plan B or a reaction to some unseen circumstance. Sometimes when we, and, and I know it, I've heard it and I've done it in telling Bible stories or telling about God's plan for salvation to young people, to children, we present it as a good versus evil. We present it as this happened, so God did this. And that is never the case. God does not react to things that he did not know were going to happen. God has a plan, and there, they, he never had to say, well, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else. Or, I didn't see that coming. I've got to, God doesn't need a halftime to, to game plan. God's plan has been consistent since before the foundations of the world were laid. And although in the last days, as Peter says, there will be scoffers that say things have remained the same since the beginning of time, where where are his promises? His promises are the same that he made to Adam and Eve in the garden as they were cast out. His promises are the same as he made to Abram on Mount Sinai when he passed between the pieces of the animal as Abram slept. His promises are the same as he gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. His promises are the same as he gave to to David concerning his seed, concerning the, the coming one. His promises are the same as he gave to Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel. His promises are the same forever and ever. A knowledge of his will, it will lead us to not be so reactive. To not try to cling to to things in this life, but to look forward. Look forward that our purpose would be, as it states, as Paul states his prayer for the believers in Colossae in verse 10. If we keep His promises in mind, that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful in every good work. Um, When I think of walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, you know, sometimes we think of, of these really grand things that people do for God, walking worthy, um, sacrificing their lives, um, sacrificing a, a worldly livelihood. But if we look to the end of this statement and at the end of verse 11, it's about patience and long suffering with joyfulness, right? Like that's the end. Um, So what would being fruitful in every good work, right, unto all pleasing be? Um, I think of um, one night as I was thinking about this and and studying this, the Lord brought to my memory one of of my first weeks counseling. I was probably 16 or 17 years old in uh, junior camp at Camp Horizon. And 
um, we're going through its testimony night in the cabin. And one of the boys, he was probably nine years old. Um, we were just giving our testimonies. And um, I asked him afterward, I said, well, how do you know? It, was, it seemed an unclear testimony. I said, how do you know you're saved? And he said, well, I said, my mom says that she knows I'm saved. Because now when I sweep, I sweep under the rugs. Profound. <laughs> Profound. I, fruitful in every good work, even that's the smallest of things. If you're not saved, do you sweep under the rug? If you're not saved, little things, being, being faithful in the small, if you're not saved and you're parked far away from a, the grocery cart return, do you put it back? If, if, there's, if there's not the Holy Spirit in you, just think of the, the little things to be fruitful in every good work. Um, the things that, that people don't notice, are you still faithful when only the eyes of God are on you? Um, that's being all pleasing, fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, right? The more that we know God, some things that we learn about God, we learn who He is. Think about what the Colossians had going for them. First and foremost, their love, right? And we know God is love. And they're expressing that characteristic of God already. But as you learn more and more and more about God, you know His omnipresence. You know that it is not this principle of God that God is in everything, but that God is everywhere. That God is everywhere. You, you learn His omnipotence, the, the power. The power. And, and you think of if God, God is love, and if, if we just come away with those three understandings of God, if God is love, and I'm to love everybody with the most love that I can give, and God is omnipresent, and He's there no matter where I am. I cannot hide from every, everything is under the light. And if He's all-powerful, he can give me, his servant, the strength to love everywhere I am and to everybody I meet. And, he's, and the, the prayer continues, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. And again, the idea of, of strengthened with all might, strengthened with all might according to glorious power. The strength to do what in Colossae? The strength to do what here today? A strength, a strength that allows us to be patient and long-suffering. 
to be patient and long-suffering with joyfulness. Um, you know, think of the strength that it takes to go through this life um, with joyfulness. Um, there's um, there, there's some, some people that my age that I grew up with that have, uh, that have really turned, um, turned into activists on, on political things, on one side or the other. I'll tell you, there's no difference in this. On either side is that I have not seen a joyful, a, a joyful commentary on anything, on anything in years. Nothing joyful. Nothing joyful on both sides of the spectrum. Cursing on both sides of the spectrum. Anger and hate. But here, to walk worthy, to walk worthy, patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, with joyfulness. Um, even even in, in Paul's life, which in some epistles he, he shows as really, a, he's chosen a life of suffering. You read the narrative in the book of Acts, and you can see the joyful times that he has with the believers. Um, I think of him as he's, as he's leaving um, Ephesus and the, the Ephesian elders just running out and weeping with him uh, because he's leaving. You don't, you don't weep at somebody's parting unless there were deep, joyful times that you had together. And then it turns to Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving to the Father who hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The inheritance. Um, Paul, has made, Paul makes reference to the inheritance in a lot of his epistles. And I think he really, he really explains it. He really explains it um, in Galatians. And, you know, a lot of times we go to, um, we go to Romans as like a real deep expose of the gospel. But if you want kind of the Cliff Notes version, and really a deep, deep Cliff Notes version, it's in Galatians. Uh, inheritance. And what, what, what inheritance? What inheritance, right? It says in verse 12, he made us the father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What inheritance? In Galatians chapter 3, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul connects the inheritance to um, the Abrahamic covenant. Um, In Galatians chapter 3, in um, really starting on verse 14, 
Um, he, he says the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Um, Brethren, I speak after the matter of men, though it be but a man's covenant. But if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant, which was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should be made of the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. The inheritance, the inheritance of the believers is the inheritance that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that spiritual inheritance. It's that relationship with God, being the friend of God, being a child of God, as promised to Abraham all those years ago, um, all those years ago in Genesis, when God walked through the pieces. It's that promise. It's that promise. It's that inheritance. Um, God had promised to Abraham before the law was given, and, and Paul points out in Galatians, 430 years before the law was given, um, before he was circumcised, God gave him a promise. And that's the covenant whose fulfillment was the Lord Jesus Christ and the inheritance that is the believers. Paul connects this inheritance to believers in a lot of his epistles. Um, Although in Colossae, you had those Gnostics. You had those Gnostics which, which... compared Christianity to a a children's version of philosophy. It's a child's version of philosophy. Um, Paul brings in the inheritance to prove that this is not a child's version of philosophy. This inheritance of the saints, which the believers in Colossae would would have heard, of this process. Um, uh, Paul mentions it when he writes to the Romans. He mentions it when he writes to the Galatians. Um, And the topic of the inheritance, the covenants that went throughout the Old Testament and then are now in the New Testament, the, the covenants that were fulfilled or have yet to be fulfilled was something that not even the Gnostics could understand. It was a complex thing. And Paul brings it in to really show the simplicity of the gospel is wrapped in complexity. 
um, because God has been at work with this throughout history. Again, the, the will of God has not changed. God knew when he gave the promise to Abraham, he knew of Christ crucified. When, when he set the rules for the Passover, he knew that Jesus, his son, would be the ultimate Passover lamb. It wasn't a coincidence that was brought, that brought up by, by believers in the first century. Oh, this reminds me of that. It wasn't an accident. That God, throughout history, had been laying the groundwork. God, throughout history, had been marking signposts along the way, which made this message of salvation more complex, more rooted in history, and through what they, the people knew had transpired throughout the ages. It made it more real than any philosophy that the Gnostics could think of. In verse 13, thanksgiving, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Uh, At the end of verse 12, that juxtaposition of the inheritance of the saints in light who had delivered us from the power of darkness. Um, I think of... uh, of a quote from J.N. Darby when being asked, you know, he was, it was a debate and he was being asked of the, um, the sealing of the Holy Spirit of can someone lose their salvation? Um, and obviously on his side, he said, no, salvation is forever. Um, someone said, well, what if one that has professed turns away from the light? He said, then the light will shine on his back until he turns around. Um, This salvation was never about us running to the light. In, In the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son was not running home. It was the father who ran out to meet him. You know, if um, in another quote, somebody said, well, you know, we do our part and God does his. And Darby responded, yeah, I did my part. I was sinning and he saved me. That's my part was being the sinner. His part was being the savior. That's the parts that we played. He's made us meet. He made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins.
You know, we, um, we only can be thankful to God for these things that have been accomplished on our behalf through the Lord Jesus Christ. I think what was really at stake, what was really at stake here in Colossae was who is Jesus? I think that, and, and if we were to go through, if we were to go through the letter of, that Paul wrote to the Colossian believers, um, we would see really what's at stake is who is Jesus? And you know, it's interesting, he doesn't start off with any of that. He, he builds to it. And as he finishes off this prayer, he mentions, he mentions um, for I mean, only the third time so far in the letter, um, he mentions the Son. He gave thanks to the Father. Right? And finally, who translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. As he finishes off the prayer, he gets into who Jesus is. Um, you know, one thing that no matter what age we live in, no matter what debate is current, there's always, there's always people who say, well, Jesus would want this or Jesus would want that. Um, Jesus would be on this side or Jesus would be on that side. Um, it's interesting to note the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus never took a political side. He didn't take a political side. And that's one thing that came out to me when looking at the lives of the, of the 12. Um, he had on the two ends of the spectrum, he had a Jewish tax collector and a zealot. And the, the two ends of the political spectrum were within his 12. Whenever he was brought to, to, to take sides in a debate, he didn't. He didn't. And, and he stayed um, with a mind towards his mission on this earth. The Lord Jesus came to deliver us from the power of darkness so that we can enjoy the kingdom of God. And it's in Him that we have, in verse 14, the redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins. We can't, we can't do anything. Uh, there's, there's nothing that we bring. Um, it's His blood um, that gives us the forgiveness of sins. We have forgiveness of sins. Um, because He died on the cross for us. And then, 
Paul goes into who Jesus is. Um, the Colossian believers were being torn in, in multiple directions. Um, they wanted to seem intelligent. Um, they, they wanted to seem like they were with it, like they understood what was going on in the world. Um, they wanted to love everybody. Um, and they were known for their love. They were known for their love, but if they were going to be a complete testimony, a complete testimony in the world, in the city that they lived, they needed to know who Jesus is. And they needed to be sure of who Jesus is. And we know, um, we know what, what continues in this letter to the Colossians. We know he's the preeminence. Um, we know where Paul goes in this. Um, we're not here among novices. We're not here among um, people who haven't studied their Bible. We know who Jesus is, but we can't forget during the week. Um, we can't forget who Jesus is as we, as we mingle with, with unbelievers. We can't forget this mission that we have. Like the Colossian believers we, we need to be known, yes, known by our love. Um, known by our love, but for our, our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ in love. And if, if there's ever a question as to why we love, why we're fair when given a chance to be selfish, um, why, why we're unselfish when given a chance to be selfish, to have gain. The answer cannot be moral, morally based. The answer cannot be politically based. The answer has to be the Lord Jesus Christ and His testimony and His witness in my life. And the, the whole point, the whole point of our good works here, the whole point of walking worthy, is to draw notice to the Lord Jesus Christ. And although the Colossian believers were known for their love, they were known for, for good works, um, they, they struggled with who is Jesus. Um, and if we take note from that, um, let's, let's make sure to be strong in both. Um, to be strong in our love and our knowledge of who Jesus is. And if we do that, we can be a, a, a light. We can be that light on a hill. We can be that salt that didn't lose its flavor. Um, uh, you know, showing good works, um, which people will notice, and giving the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, and being able to explain who He is and what He's done for the people around us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You um, for the opportunity to open Your Word um, and to study it and to look into it, Lord. And we pray, um, as Paul prayed for the believers in Colossians, um, that we would walk worthy unto You with all pleasing um, and being fruitful in every good work. 
We pray that as we have a, a testimony in our community of walking worthy, uh, of being fruitful in good works, uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us the strength um, to persevere and to, um, to be joyful, even in suffering and even in service, to be joyful, that we might show, um, be able to show the Lord Jesus um, to those around us. Lord, we pray that in all things that we would do would be for the goal of sharing the good news that salvation is available to all who will believe. And we pray that we would keep that in the forefront of our minds as we live and work in this world, that everything that we do, each work has the opportunity um, to be service to you um, and service to the gospel. Lord, we pray that you would um, now take us back to our homes in safety. Um, we pray that you would continue to, um, to bless the work at Camp Horizon and all of the camps around the country, around the world this summer that are um, preaching the gospel. We pray for the VBSs around in the community. Um, and all over, um, that many would be added to your kingdom and through the, the witness and testimony of children who are saved, um, that parents um, would, be, uh, would be, become faithful um, to meetings if they've left, um, or parents would be brought to an understanding and a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus if they haven't already. Lord, we pray for the ministry around the world this summer, very different from last summer, and we thank you um, that so many places now will be openly sharing the gospel uh, to so many kids who will just be happy to get out of the house. Um, Lord, we pray these things in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.